Hey everybody, welcome to the 7 Innings Podcast. The mayhem is officially underway May 1st and moving forward towards the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, and of course on the road to the Women's College World Series. Very alliterative today because, well actually we just rhymed today. After Jimmy Softball, BMO, Ho-Ro, Bro, Scarbro, Dilo with the Velo. Uh, ladies, the mayhem is upon us. Let's start with you, Holly, uh, as we uh, podcast, by the way, Seven Innings Podcast from our World Series production meeting, getting ready for all the mayhem to come. What, what do you love about this time of year? What are, you, what are you excited about? Well, first and foremost, I'm excited that we've gone from barely televising any softball to hundreds and thousands of games, and that we've had all of these people come in to talk about what we're going to do good do well. That was bad grammar. That was English. <laughs> Good, re- um, but do well rally. in the postseason. And I just love it that our company's getting behind us in this way, and they want to spend money to do a great job on softball. So I love it. I mean, we've just spent two days really in depth talking about what we want to do better to present softball on TV, and I think that's important. Uh, I love that the mayhem is starting before the postseason is even beginning mm-hmm. because of all the conference races. Like with the SEC, um, ACC, the, they already have a winner that we just found out about quietly with yes. Virginia Tech um, and the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 and, and the Big 12. I mean, everything's coming down to the last weekend and we're right here in May. Yeah, I, I think that we've seen this year, this is the most parity amongst conferences that we've mm-hmm. seen maybe in the last at least in my existence of watching college softball. So I'm really appreciative of that. And I think that's going to open the door for an extremely upset, riddled mayhem. And ooh, I can't ooh. wait to see some teams, you know, coming out of regionals and super regionals. Nice. I get pretty excited because I'm still fairly new, but I, when it comes to May, I always feel the emotions of when I was a player. So it's like always that feeling of when I go into call games and I know Amanda you've said it like you get the like butterflies in your stomach and there's times when I went to the Rhodes house Saturday to call the game and I was on the way and I was like saying to Mark Neely I'm so nervous right now for the for the girls so I mean my favorite part is that I get to witness something that some of us were so fortunate to be a part of but now I just get to see the game evolve so much and the conferences getting so better I mean so much better I can't speak English either um, <laughs> thank you for joining me Danielle yeah. but just some like great matchups to head into May and I think like the Arizona UCLA matchup coming up as well as Washington at Arizona mm-hmm. is going to be pretty intense uh, it'll be fun to see it play can, out can we celebrate one thing real quick though because Amanda hit on something Virginia Tech you know this is the first year in how many years six, six straight six years in a row for, for that Virginia Tech yeah, so wins the, the ACC let's yeah. just give them their moment I mm. think that's really special um, new coach new system and that they have been able to accomplish this I think is really special Pre-season for them season 10th in the ACC and they win the regular season Jimmy how about you and Mayhem what do you what's your love affair with this month Oh, I probably won't sleep much. I'll yeah. be on a plane every other day. Uh, that's 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 a big part for me. Mayhem uh, describes his life. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. Uh, follow along with the uh, lineup card. You can get it at Seven Innings Podcast on Twitter and on the gram. We're going to break down. We got four huge matchups coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll shag. Uh, we'll do a little. Give me some Jimmy, and we will also. Celebrate an anniversary. It is the 10-year anniversary that Diesel with the Velo. Not only celebrate, were you guys actually ever home in the month of May? Because the year you won the national championship, you guys were road regional, road supers, road world series. Yeah, we were like 18 days or something like that. I thought it was 23 days on the road or something crazy. Mm. But we talked about it yesterday. I think that's what helped us. Yeah. We had all the other distractions that were out of the way. It was... 
10 years. 10 Whoa. years, Washington World Series. UMass, 15 innings. Was it 15 innings that lasted into yeah. the wee hours of the morning? The Sunday game, we played the game one, lost that, and then the 30-minute window to come back. Oof. And Heather didn't prepare us for ball Schmitter throwing 72 <laughs> down in the zone. Right. Heather Tarr, that's her, that's Danielle Laurie saying that, not the rest of us. <laughs> just a little video on the plane over. Nice. Hey, this girl throws the heavy drop to 72 <laughs> down in the zone. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we love you, Heather. <laughs> uh, Danielle Laurie, Caleb Rowe, Amanda Scarborough, Beth Mullins, Holly Rowe, uh, James Piscatelli. Here are the dates for you to save. Number two on your uh, lineup card. May 8th to the 11th will be the SEC tournament. Um, all the games for you on the ESPN networks. The selection show, May 12th, Sunday night, 9 Eastern. It's an hour earlier this year on ESPN2. Then the regionals, May 16 to 19. The Supers, May 23rd to 26th. And the World Series will get underway in Oklahoma City on uh, Thursday, May 29th. Hopefully, we'll get a three-gamer championship series this year. That would be a lot of fun. All right, moving on to number three in our lineup card. It's Bedlam, ladies. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, ESPN has the Saturday game in Norman. The other two games will be uh, up in Stillwater. Sooners, 35 in a row. And uh, G. Juarez had the perfect game last weekend, Amanda. She is now 20-0 and 0 on the season. They just put up such gaudy numbers against the bottom of the Big 12 teams. Like, they were going against Iowa State, hit 12 home runs in three games, scored 31 runs. I mean, this is a team, though, that I think that you see – when they're going up against a team that they should beat, they handle them. Like they are, they have the same intensity whether they're going up against Iowa State or whether they're going up against a rival in Texas. And I love that about this team because you can tell that they're motivated. However, Oklahoma is on a roll, but so is Oklahoma State. 12 game win streak, which is in comparison to Oklahoma, a third of it, but it's the long, it ties the longest win streak with Kenny Gajewski as a head coach at Oklahoma State. So they're on a little of a roll too. I think the G in G Juarez stands for Grinch because in the last in that thirty two game win streak or is it up to thirty three now? Thirty five. Thirty five. Oh my god. Don't just sleep keep on the thirty five wins. Just keep going. But um, she has just continued to improve and improve and improve. And I think it's one of the more fascinating stories. You know, we saw them in February and she was nowhere yeah. near what she's doing now is her improvement. I'm calling her Grinch Juarez. Grinch Juarez. As she's stingy she's, at the place. She's stealing she Christmas from everyone she's else. She's taking everybody no presents. No fun. Everybody's gifts. No stocking nice. stuffers. Nice. What are you guys looking forward to? Or what, do you, what has impressed you how G has improved over the course of the year? Yeah, well, I, I think she struggled a little bit coming in in, what, beginning of February? And yeah. then I was like, all right, go play with these guys. They've been, <laughs> you know, or women. It, it, that's difficult, I think, to do. What excites me about this series is one of the best series that I got to watch was OU Texas and the mm-hmm. intensity that both those teams brought. So when I look at this one, I go, wow, OU always brings that every single day. It doesn't matter who they're playing. But Oklahoma State is a bunch of swaggy players. So I'm looking at it like go and step up against one of the best mm-hmm. teams in the nation. If you hit a home run and you want to do your bat flip, do it all day. But, but that's, Oh, that's right, the bat flip. We see oh. a bat flip Ooh. in if you're not going to bat flip against the Sooners, who are you going to bat flip against if you're Oklahoma State? That I mean, would you, be brass. Yeah. you got to hit one first, though. Yeah. That's going to be the That's key. That's the problem. That's For those who don't know what we're talking about, um, Samantha Shaw of um, Oklahoma State has been flipping her bat this year, and it's kind of gone viral. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people with different opinions. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you as players, I saw Kelly Kretschmann on Twitter. There's been a little bit of a Twitter battle about this. Yeah. Say, hey, respect the game. So, Danielle, mm-hmm. as a pitcher – Someone that you give up a hit to flips their bat. What's your attitude about that? 
I would hit them the next time they come up. And I mean that. And that's why we love you. But I, <laughs> yeah. But it's almost, you're not seeing any pitchers do that. So, like, yeah, Xiao, she's one of the best, but, and I know that there's people that go, we'll just go strike her out. Sometimes, like, you got to give people a message. And I think that, like, there is a level of respect. I think the higher you get, whether you're winning a game to go to a Women's College World Series or you just hit that home run that Shay Knight won, or won the game in the 18th inning, like, I can understand that, but Oklahoma State hasn't shown me anything that they've, been in the Women's College World Series, or they haven't proved anything to me yet. So I think premature bat flipping is what she's oh, saying. Oh yeah. So I think if if you go to Oklahoma and you do some damage, or in Stillwater, excuse me, at home, then we can talk. Yeah. Here, here's what excites me about this Oklahoma team, and and we've seen it from this senior class right from the get go. So they come in, they win two national championships. They're fearless. Last year they kind of lost their mojo, but I get the sense they've only lost twice. If they continue to win. This is a a senior class that I think wants to be legendary. I think they love the challenge of, I I want people to call us one of the best teams, if not the best team ever. So in order to do that, you got to keep winning, and then you got to roll in the postseason, and you got to get back to Oklahoma City and play for a national championship. I think they want that, and I I think they are going to try and send a big-time message this weekend um, that they're, um, they're they're just unstoppable and really send a message to the rest of the country. That's what I want to see from them. They are playing with what I would describe as a senior's sense of urgency. Yep. So this is a senior-laden team, a lot of seniors that didn't walk off the field with the national championship last year. Yep. And this is a championship mindset. Patty Gasla talks about championship mindset all the time. And I think those seniors are taking that message and carrying with it. All right, that's a big one. Bedlam this weekend, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Let's move on to the bromance right now. And, Kayla, the Bayou Bash coming up for first place and possibly the SEC regular season championship, Bama at LSU, with a little scoreboard watching Ole Miss at Georgia. I mean, does it get any better than this? When was the last time that we had an SEC championship that was going to come down to three teams in the final week where two are going head-to-head, and, oh, by the way, it's LSU versus Alabama in Baton Rouge? And I think, you know, you put a little asterisk on that, that one because, first of all, Baton Rouge is a tough place to play. Then you bring in the history with Coach Murphy mm-hmm. and that whole thing. I it mean, it's a lot. people of the history so people know what we're talking about. Shoot. I mean, first of all, I have three never. Days? Was he three days, three days the head coach yep, at LSU? Three days of coaching at LSU. But, I mean, even as a player, we never won there. I went 0-6 yeah. in Baton Rouge. So it's a tough place to play. I think that, you know, this Alabama team is a team that has a lot of momentum. However, they stumbled a little bit against Kentucky. Um, I, I look at that from a matchup perspective, though, and both of these teams are actually really evenly matched. I love, you know, Aaliyah Andrews, Alyssa Brown in the top of the lineup. They're both going to bring a lot of speed. They're going to put things in motion. They're going to be aggressive on the base pass. And then you have, you know, home run power in Hemphill and Sinceri. Just a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see how this one plays out. I think looking at Kentucky, or no, excuse me, not Kentucky, Alabama and the Kentucky series I was just able to call, I mean, I was shocked that Alabama didn't come out on Sunday mm-hmm. and uh, do the damn thing. I, I mean, you're putting your ace out there knowing she has a pitch count, and she threw 250 pitches on the weekend and got two big losses. So I think for them heading into Baton Rouge, they got to go Cornell game one and game three and yeah. hope that she can go out and be legit and give Fouts that one game because I think it really does matter for Montana's health moving uh-huh. forward. If you don't have her, they're not winning. 
Do you think she's the SEC Pitcher of the Year, Amanda? Montana? No, no, no. Cornell. Cornell. Oh, Cornell. I, I, think, um, I think if Alabama wins it, she might be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really... 19-1. and one. Pretty good record. I don't... I, it'll be a tough vote over for the coaches. Between, yeah, between giving it to Barnhill, I mean, and her teammate Fouts, too. I mean, she gets a lot of hype and has done well in conference, too. So that will be, to me, the most curious SEC award. That's, um, that series could decide yeah. player, freshman, and pitcher of the year. And something about Cornell is that she's already won a pitcher of the yeah. year when she was at Hofstra um, in that conference, the Colonial yeah. Uh, so she's already won that award, and clearly she steps up like whenever it gets to conference season. If you got that award last year, and now you're able to translate into the SEC, because she didn't start out this hot. I mean, she was solid, but not this good. Um, Since Smitty's not here, can I bring up one stat about this game that I thought was Absolutely. interesting? Um, Michelle Smith is really big on free passes, is you can't give up the, the extra passes. And that has been an issue for LSU. They've given up 152 walks this year, which is really high. Alabama has drawn 256 team walks as hitters. So I just think that's a little sneaky mm-hmm. stat of the free passes can come back to haunt you in this series. As close as it will be and as competitive it will be, who will be the better staff? I think that should be the tell of the game. Uh, the, the deal is Alabama needs one win to clinch at least a share of the SEC championship. If LSU sweeps them, um, they uh, open up the door for the possibility of Ole Miss to sweep Georgia. They have one rain out, so they played one less game, so Ole Miss is still in there too, but they cannot afford a loss this weekend. So that's a big one, Oklahoma, or, uh, excuse me, Alabama and LSU. Of course, the player of the year hopefuls in that one would be somebody like a Bailey Hemphill or the two Sanchez's um, at LSU. Abby Cheek. Abby Cheek, I think, is still right there for Kentucky, uh, although they're done now in SEC play. Um, they have uh, out of conference this last weekend. All right. Remember, Jimmy. you can watch all those games on bases loaded this weekend. Nice. Good save. Good save. Good save. Jumping around from game to game and figure out who's going to win that SEC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the frequency of a cheap ham radio. Anyways, that's an old SNL <laughs> reference. Um, let's move on to number five right now in your lineup. It's cats and dogs. Um, and that, of course, uh, uh, Dilo with the Velo would be your beloved Huskies. Uh, on the road, right, at Arizona? They are. Yes. What, yes. Do, what say you about that one? I don't know. I think Arizona's really hot right now. I know that they sweep each other when they're at home. So two uh-huh. years ago, Washington got swept at Arizona, and then Arizona came to UW last year and got swept. So, I mean, if you're going in the history of that. Um, but looking at Arizona, I mean, 90 home runs, the thing for me is that Washington pitchers need to keep the ball in the yard. They're not a team that's going to go hit the big home runs, only 36 on the year. Um, so they're a team that needs Sis Bates to step up, get on, and advance Rover and hope that the hot Morgan Flores right now getting her home runs up. Um, but if you shut down those types of players, it is a little bit more difficult, I think, for Washington to produce runs. Yeah. So for me, it's it's really going to be about can Al Velo and Plain keep the ball in the yard. So I think this is, I'd like to know who did the Pac-12 schedule. I think it's crazy that Arizona, who is tied right now for the lead in the Pac-12, will end their season hosting Washington and at UCLA. Yeah. So whoever the scheduling gods were, Ooh. not yeah. so kind to Arizona. Going to find yeah. out if they're Tough. a contender or a pretender. And, and I think that's what intrigues me about this series. You've beaten the rest. Now can you beat the best pitchers in the Pac-12 when Washington and UCLA head your way back-to-back? 
Well, and this will be the toughest environment for Washington to play in this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, To go to Tucson and Arizona sells out every single game and they're in their new stadium, which is intimidating because you go there and it already has the intimidating history feel to it. So it's not going to be an easy atmosphere and environment. And if Arizona gets out to a hot start in game one, it's going to be really hard to Mm -hmm. slow them down through the rest of the weekend. All right, that's a big one coming up out west, cats and dogs. Remember, they don't have a conference tournament either, so they'll yes. have another conference weekend the mm-hmm. following weekend. Yep. And, yeah. and it's a very big game then too, right? It's yeah, UCLA-Arizona ends the season for the Pac-12. I believe so they will all, win it or lose it And that they're weekend. all on the Pac-12 networks, I believe, is where you can find um, those games. Uh, the other big showdown this weekend, Michigan is not in the mix head-to-head. Uh, in the Big Ten, but they are still very much in the race, along with Minnesota. They are a game behind Northwestern, and the big showdown um, in the Midwest this week will be Northwestern and Minnesota. Northwestern unbeaten in the league. They're 20-0, and and I think not only is a regular season championship at stake, I don't know when you do a deep dive into the big wins for the Big Ten teams, I think they're only going to get one super regional host, maybe only two regional hosts, and it could all come down to what happens here this weekend. Well, it's going to be a really good pitcher's duel. Let's start there. You have Amber Pfizer from Minnesota and then Danielle Williams for Northwestern, who is a freshman and has just had a phenomenal season. But when you compare these two teams in general, their stats or batting average are really is really similar to each other. Their fielding percentage, their ERA, the number of home runs they hit. So it's a really evenly matched series, and it's played at Minnesota, so you have to kind of give them the edge a little bit with a freshman in the circle for Northwestern, and Minnesota is just a little bit more pop in their bats. So I would give the edge to Minnesota, but I think it's going to be a really close-played series. I think Minnesota is battle-tested as well. I mean, Amber Pfizer has gone up against some of the best competition in the entire country. They've had a tough schedule, and I think that she, for as many innings as she's thrown this season, is probably going to come out on the better side versus the freshman. All right, that, that's a good one coming up in uh, Big Ten country with Northwestern. I would just like to say Minnesota that um, I was at a Northwestern softball tailgate in November. Ooh. And I would like some credit for this winning streak they're on because we had all the alumni come back. We had the best little tailgate at Northwestern at a football game. And one of the cool facts is that every year Northwestern's been good, they've had a red-headed pitcher. Oh. So you go back to the Garland Cooper days, or a red-headed player. Red-headed player. And Tammy so, Williams. Um, Tammy Williams, Tammy Garland Williams. Cooper, and then they've got a ginger on the team this year. Nice. So I'm just, that's some extra-level knowledge I'm dropping for you. It's the ginger blessing. I curse. really wish I would have had that stat when I picked them as my sleeper. Oh, that's Remember right, Remember all Jimmy. those stats I brought, yeah, and you guys just laughed forget. at me? Yeah, I got a picture with all three redheads <laughs> together, so I can prove that this is a thing. Nice. But really quick, think about how good they would be if Kendall Lindemann was still on their team. Mm-hmm. A 20 home run hitter each of her first two seasons. She's a junior yeah, now. From because, yeah, yeah. They ha- for Minnesota? Yeah, they have two 15 home run hitters, and they're two new faces. One's a transfer from Oregon State and Hope Brandner, and then another is a freshman, Natalie Den Hertog, which is always a mouthful to say. But think about <laughs> the extra power that Lindemann would add to yes. that lineup and make Minnesota even better. You could almost argue that Minnesota would have a better chance than Florida Ooh, to make the Women's College World Series with Kendall in the Can we get that meeting? Can we get that postseason meeting? Ooh, that'd be fun. It could match up. Minnesota does not want another SEC meeting after they, (laughs) in their mind, got screwed in the Alabama regional. Just saying. Can we say that on this podcast? We just did. That's okay. That's okay. Keep going. Um, We're moving down the lineup card. Uh, We're having a good time here at our um, 
our Women's College World Series uh, content and strategy meeting because we always want to bring uh, new and interesting stuff to the Women's College World Series. BMO, Horo, Bro, Scarborough, Dilo with the Velo, Jimmy Softball. And now, ladies and gentlemen, dun, da, da, da. Woo! Jersey Meg joins us on the podcast. Meg is our boss. She's the coordinating producer for ESPN Softball. So she's all things good about inventing and forwarding the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we're coming in hot, getting ready for the uh, Women's College World Series, Jersey Meg. So what what what, what was your message to uh, Team ESPN as, as they prepare for the WCWS on the road to the WCWS? To the WC. you got to say it fully. you got to say on the road to the Women's College World Series. Uh, you know, the message for everybody is just to remember uh, that we are have not arrived yet. That uh, we are... Can you hear me? You give me a thumbs up, Jimmy? Yeah. Am I good? Am I good? Am I loud? Move the mic. Move the mic. We, you started we, a little low. I started a little low, but I'm picking it up. That's yeah. good producing right there, Jimmy Softball. Um, uh, you know, the message is really that we have to remember that we are the arbiters of this sport and we are the protectors of this sport. And uh, the goal of getting our team together every year before we get to Oklahoma City is to make sure that we are absolutely at our best as our audience grows and as we grow with every round from the selection show to the regionals to the super regionals to the women's college world series what are we doing every day to get better ourselves to grow that audience and to give the audience the experience that they love and that they want to 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 make them want to come with us on that road to the women's college world series Mm -hmm. and crown that champion uh and that's really the message is what are we doing better how are we doing it better than we did it last year how are we doing it better than when we did it 10 years ago and how are we going to be at our best come june 5th are, are ratings up? Give us a sense of where softball is from a viewership standpoint and just an interest standpoint in your mind. Yeah, I think uh, we are having a very good year. Regular season has been very positive. The numbers are, are have been big so far, especially the games that we've had on ESPN and ESPN2. Uh, we're very often doing very well on those days. Oftentimes when we're on ESPN2, we're the highest rated uh, thing on that network uh, during that day, which is great for us. It's a good situation to be in. We have about 1,200 regular season games that are on the air, and uh, I don't feel like it's oversaturated. I feel good about it. Obviously, the company feels really good about it. You can see that in the investment that we've made in softball. We had the seven innings featured show, which you hosted, that just aired for the first time this weekend, so we're getting some stories out there. Obviously, this podcast, our coverage, the number of games. We've got the selection show coming up, the entire SEC tournament uh, on our networks. That'll really be like a little mini Women's College World Series with a studio set out in the outfield, and we'll have 18 cameras there. Uh, it's really exciting, but we're in a good place. Viewership is very solid. We expect a big postseason, and I think the greatest thing that the game of softball can do for us and has done is have parity. The stories that you guys are talking about on this podcast, the teams, the fact that we're talking about teams like JMU and Minnesota and the Big Ten being relevant and Pac-12 being back, that's great for the game of softball and it's great for our coverage and everybody wins in that scenario because you don't know who's going to win the game and you don't know who's going to hold that trophy up in June. I got a question for you. Tell us something that we're going to see new this year at the World Series. Oh, well, what we're going to see new is a new stadium. Oh, so that's boy. exciting. Ooh, we hope. We know it's yeah. there. I'm telling right, you, I had right. my feet on the ground just Boots a week ago. And right. uh, I will tell you that the USA Softball, the city of Oklahoma City, the NCAA, they have been terrific partners with each other. And while they unfortunately had the worst winner in like 20 years in Oklahoma, it set them back a little bit on their timeline for construction. I will tell you that they are working their tails off to get that stadium ready. It's going to be big. 
It's going to be beautiful. You guys are going to have a terrific new home in the booth out there. We're going to have a and diamond demo up there, too. You're going to have to a diamond demo. So we're going to yes. have some demos in the booth. Yes. It's going to be exciting. So we'll we'll be able to uh, use that and maximize that opportunity. Studio's back. Danielle Studio back. back. Caleb Rowe and the studio set. That's I thought right. that was big that we added last year is we had an on-site set. You know, it's like college game day for football, college basketball. We, we brought people to the set. And I love that we had Danielle Laurie yeah. and Caleb Rowe. Two kids who played on that field and had big moments on that field. Like, what was it like for you guys to be there and be studio analysts? Yeah, what was it like, you, you two kids? <laughs> you youngsters that are now yeah, 10 years out. 10 years here. <laughs> last time I was on the field. No, I, to, honestly, I was very humbled to be back. And I was thankful to be in that position. Um, the women that I worked with, I was so lucky with Molly and Kayla. We had a really good relationship, and I think... It's what I remember watching games when you guys all did it, is you can't deny the chemistry that the groups have. And we really made sure that we connected as a group going into it because we know how important that is. When you have people that know what the heck they're talking about, um, you can trust in them and say, hey, they really like they like each other. I think and that's... I, I felt the Pac-12 SEC tension a little bit there. You know, I could That'll sense... Never go away. It was friendly yet competitive tension. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Big news, too, coming for the Champ Series, right, Jersey Meg? That is right. Guys, we have baseball tonight coming for the Champ Series. I I mean, you want to talk about growing the sport of softball. Baseball tonight will be on the ground, in the outfield, down the left field line. We're super excited to open us up for all three games of the Champ Series. Um, it couldn't. It couldn't be more excited to have them out there. So Adam Amin's going to be out there. Amanda's going to be a part of that show. We hope Tim Kirchin's going to be out there. So Kirchin. talking a little MLB, but Jess really Mendoza. Uh, Jess Mendoza. Uh, so, but we're talking some uh, softball on baseball tonight nice. for the Champ Finals. That's when you know that ESPN is committed to the sport of softball. We just keep growing, ladies. So, can I say this, and hopefully I don't get in trouble, but I just want our listeners to understand: is we've gone from I can just remember like even ten years ago. Baseball Tonight wouldn't even show our highlights, and they didn't care about softball. And I really credit you and Jessica Mendoza for pushing them and saying, look, this is a great bat and ball sport. We need to be talking about it on our baseball shows. And so we go from them not even showing a softball highlight to now they are going to be on site. I applaud them for opening their minds and accepting our sport. And I just think it's a really cool evolution, and hopefully I'm not in trouble for saying that. No, you won't be in trouble for that. That's Um, terrific. uh, uh, Jersey Meg is with us. Um, She is the uh, coordinating producer. Before she was Jersey Meg, she was Meg the Baller. Who used to play her uniform with shorts, right, and a floppy visor? Um, it was, it was so, stick like pads. Take take us back to that kid. What what gives you goosebumps about? We were talking about what what we love about mayhem. What what do you love about mayhem from a you know young baller perspective? That kid who who in college my nickname was Peg Leg Meg. So that, nice. that should tell you. I wish I had those legs now. I have the photo <laughs> for the lineup card. I'll send to you back. <laughs> oh, let's not let's not do that. Yes. That's. Well, now we got Jenny trouble. Dalton last year with the big hair. So, yeah, big hair don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, for me, everything I, I do a lot of things at ESPN, but the softball obviously is a passion project for me. You guys know that I love it so much. But what I love seeing, and you saw it in that tease that we did for the opening finals last year with the girls who got to see their heroes and have that moment. When I was young, way back when. Even seeing the Women's College World Series, it was one game that was tape delayed like two weeks, and and you couldn't find it anywhere. You couldn't see softball. I didn't get to see people that played like me or looked like me. Mm-hmm. You, you just knew your teammates and your friends. There weren't big stars until, like, the Olympics happened, and then you finally saw Lisa Fernandez and Michelle Smith, and you, you finally started to see that momentum. So you know what I love about what we get to do? 
these little girls, these young women get to grow up and they get to see their idols doing what they want to do and they look just like them. And that's what we get to do for a living. So yeah, it's about ratings and it's about growth and it's about sales and all of those things. But at the end of the day, what we do is we bring happiness and we bring promise and we bring hope to every one of those little girls that goes out and plays catch with their dad. We give them the opportunity to sit on the couch together. They have those moments. And the fact that we get to do that, the fact that I get to lead this group and empower you guys to have that positive message for those young women, I didn't have that. So that, honestly, for me, that's why I love Mayhem. Nothing better than being at the World Series and a Francesca Anaya sits down in front of you to do an interview, and she says, oh, my God, I can't believe we're here. We've been watching you guys since I was, like, 10 years old. This is so awesome. And then 10 years later, Danielle Laurie comes back and says, oh, my God, you guys, you're the soundtrack of our entire softball career. So that's always a cool thing and an honor for us to put put our voices and all these pictures to people's memories and and that's what we're going to be doing for the next month making a lot of memories before we move on Beth, I, I always love meg when you tell us like how many cameras and how many people and and all the things that are around the women's college world series can you just give us that rundown like the real quick yep. you know jimmy talks a little bit louder line. by the way because he's wearing <laughs> headphones right now if you're wondering why he's you, screaming you can at see the visual picture it uh, yeah, I mean, look, we are up to 38 cameras Woo! at the Women's College World Series. Dang. We've got four high frame rate cameras, which means you'll get to see the video in super slow-mo, so the pitches, ball follow, all that kind of stuff. Um, we've got 160 people. Wait, lean in, smile for the Lean picture. in for a selfie. Uh, Yay! There we go. Uh, we, we've got 160 people on our team uh, that are out there for 11 days making that happen. I think a lot of people watch television and they think, oh, somebody just rolled up and, and turned mm-hmm. on a switch. We are out there from Sunday of Memorial Day weekend all the way through until we strike after that last pitch, and it's 160 yeah. deep. And I can tell you what I love the most about our crew is it's 160 deep of people that love the sport of softball. Because you don't want to stand out in that heat for five Ooh. games a day or four games a day. Our camera people it. get a special shout oh, out. Yeah. I mean, they are out there four games a day, 16-hour days. Our camera people love this event. Yeah. They've become friends with the families of the players. They, the players know them by sight. Like, I just want to give a special shout out to all of our camera operators working in the heat. And one other one other new thing is a newcomer this year at the Women's College World Series. Big shout out to Tiffany Green. Going to be joining our coverage this yep. year in Oklahoma City. Can't wait to have her aboard. Of course, it all starts with the selection show uh, May 12th. That's a Sunday night, 9 Eastern on ESPN2. And uh, thank you, Jersey Meg, for joining us on the podcast. Time now for Shaggin' Stats. Today on Shaggin' Stats, I'm going to go with Kelly Barnhill, who broke the new the Florida record for career strikeouts, 1,116 in a game versus Auburn, 10 strikeouts, zero walks in her eighth career complete game, no hitter. Shout out to Kelly Barnhill. That is my Shaggin' Stat. And what was really cool about it is there were a lot of former great Florida pitchers, mm-hmm. From um, Brombacher, Hannah Rogers, um, uh, Hager, Lauren, Lauren Hager. Hager was there. That we're all there to yeah. kind of see her break that record, so Very that was cool. cool. All right, today on my Shaggin Stats, I'm going to the plate. Courtney Cashman, uh, who's been leading uh, the, conf- the country in batting average pretty much all year. Right now, last check, she was at 526. 
There have only been 14 players in the history of our game that have hit better than 525 on a season. And a shout-out to Sarah Graziano. Back in 1994, the NCAA single-season record, she hit 589. Shagging stats with Sarah Graziano. <laughs> Follow that, Amanda. Yeah, I, I die. I laugh so hard at that. This lady, that lady. Um, okay, so did you guys hear the fact that Kentucky won the series against Alabama? I think I did read that somewhere. You yes. did read that. Danielle okay. was there. Danielle, Danielle was, there. was there. She <laughs> may have told us about yes. it. Jenny Dalton was not, game. but Danielle was. <laughs> we, we don't know where Where's Jenny is. Where was we Jenny? still don't know, and neither does Jenny. Um, so one of their pitchers is Grace Ballman. And she was a freshman last year, sophomore this year. In her first 16 appearances this season, her ERA is 4.03. In her last 15 appearances, her ERA is .91. So big turnaround for Grace Ballman. We can't wait to find out more about that and what the turnaround has stemmed mm-hmm. from. All right, uh, Beth, you were getting on, you know, batting average. Yes. I'm going hits leader in the country right okay. now, which does not match batting average, which you would kind of be interested to hear that. Mm -hmm. But the hits leader in the NCAA right now is Sierra Lang. She's got 75 hits in 49 games. She plays for George Washington. So shout out for the hits leader in the country. Do you remember what was your season high in hits? I don't remember. I don't remember. Caleb Rowe, give me a second. Keep talking about yourself. Go ahead, Dilo with the Dilo. It's not the traditional Shagan stat, but a player I think that is going to give Lauren Chamberlain's home run record a run for their money is Mia Davidson. Oh, she had two bombs yeah. on the weekend against Missouri, 25 home runs, 44 total in her first two years. I think she's probably going to be the next one that may, maybe gives that a pretty big push. She will probably set uh, the new single season home run record. She's already tied it for the SEC, and she's already tied the career yeah. record for home runs at Mississippi State. Fabulous. Good work on Shaggin Stats. All right, time now to bottom of the order. Let's turn it over. Give me some Jimmy. All right, last week I asked our fans to reach out with uh, some of their all-name team. Yes. And uh, this week on the broadcast for Amanda, she just off the top of her head nailed like five or six players. It was impressive. It was very impressive. So I want to know what all you guys think. Uh, I got a a few here. Uh, Sis Bates comes to mind. That's a a nice little name. Mm -hmm. Bubba Nichols is another one. Uh, Bubba's a great name, right? Uh, So, Amanda, give me a couple more, and then I'll let you guys jump in. And you can go all time. You can go this season, whatever you want. 90 hits for Kayla Bro in her senior season. Raise it. Raise it. Woo! Thanks, Holly. You're welcome. Making me feel good right. today. Okay, Amanda, so Amanda. this off. Well, speaking of hits, we'll go to Tiana Batts, who plays for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's her last name is Batts. Doesn't get much better than that. What do you say when she's up to bat? Bats up to bat. Bats, Tiana bats. Batts up to bat. Yeah, I think that's how that would go. Um, Can we stay in Tennessee really quick with yeah. Treasury Point Dexter? Oh, oh, wow. That's the winner. That's Treasury the clear winner. Uh, no, no. There, um, hold on, I, I want to save the best one because there's also the, yeah, Treasury Point Dexter, Christina Biggerstaff at USC Upstate, who's a pitcher, so she's on the staff, and then Margarita Corona, who plays for SFA. Mm. Sounds like a drinking game any? waiting to happen. Anybody? Anybody? Uh, Chardonnay Harris goes along with Margarita Corona. Buttery They're, smooth. You know, friends. Buttery smooth. Anybody? Jimmy, any more? Uh, oh, I got a bunch more. Uh, Celine Funk at Louisville. Oh, Ring nice. the Funk. Nice. Uh, like Bring that. the noise. I mean, we've talked about Montana Fouts. That's Montana. that's a Solid good name. name. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Holly likes to go back with Sarah Fa- 
Fe- nobody Fe- beats Holy Schutzler and what the Fecity. Nobody beats that. We used to laugh about that so hard. Lauren Schutzler. So and, Sarah yeah, and Sarah Feckety. And Sarah They were on Tennessee. the same team. Holy yeah, Feckety. Yeah. Like, no, Shutzler. Holy Shutzler, what the Feckety. Oh, Holy Shutzler, yes. what the Feckety. <laughs> so good. We'll continue that on. <laughs> on I think Treasury wins. I love good Treasury. Times. Great name. Good times. Good stuff. Is that a wrap? Yeah, let's do it. Wow. Take us home. All kinds of mayhem. We are underway. Uh, we gave you all the dates you need to know. Big weekend to follow along on the ESPN networks around the country with some series to decide uh, Power Five regular season championships. Thanks to Jersey Meg for being here and uh, had a great time on the Seven Innings podcast, on the road to the Women's College World Series. Other exciting news for you we're going TV, people. We're going big time. We must be a pretty big deal, ladies, because we're going to have a TV special after the selection show, we're going to have a TV special at the SEC tournament, and we're going to have a TV special this year at the Women's College World Series. So now you can see our pretty faces as well as listen to the dulcet tones on the road to the Women's College World Series. And we out. Good stuff. Good stuff.